thousand feet up, breaking all the lights on the doors. And I ain't seen no ceilings. We came in through the top floor. You're listening to Feminist Killjoys, PhD, in our feminism, pop culture, and politics, as discussed by two professional Killjoys. I'm Rachel. And I'm Melody. And today we are talking, well, I am talking with two of my favorite people in Boston, Shannon and Claire, who are both queer witches. And they talked to me about their witch roots, the messiness of ancestry and magic, and so much more. But first, before we get to that, Melody, where can our listeners find us on the internet? Everywhere! Lies. Just kidding. JK. Hashtag fake news. <laughs> you can subscribe to us on your favorite podcast app. Extra FKJ points if you leave us a review on iTunes, which you can now do through the iTunes app if you choose to use that application. On the social media tip, you can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. You can like our Facebook page for episode updates, or you can join our closed community page, Feminist Killjoys Community WTF Power. We also have a book club on Facebook, which is FKJ PhD Book Club. Reading group. And Rachel has... I think. Reading group. Yeah. I think. Well, you'll find it. Just <laughs> the internet. It's smart. It'll help you find it. It will. <laughs> Something like that. And Rachel has been uh, trying to gather people for us somewhat IRL slash Skype slash video check-in for the book as well. So... Mm-hmm. Keep up to date on that. And actually, I, I saw that one of my friends was reading the book. Mm, and so cool. I said to them, hey, you should go check out the FKJ PhD reading group to talk more about that book. Wonderful. I hope they take you up on that. I think they did. Great. So moving on. On the FI, we have a mixtape called Feminist Killjoys PhD Mixtape, curated by Rachel. And if you have extra dollars and want to support us feminist media makers, you can... Give us a one-time donation on our website, which is feministkilljoyspodcast.com, or you can become a Patreon. Patreon people, if you give us a dollar or more a month, you get access to our weekly Feminist Killjoy review newsletter, and then $5 or more gets you bonus episode materials. And if you want to email us, you can at um, fkj.phd at gmail.com. But I, we do need to give a shout out because we just got a bunch of new Patreons this last week or two. And so we just wanted to say thank you. And Rachel, who's been who's been supporting us? So many folks. And I'm, wow, we're just so grateful. The, the past week, we have new uh, Patreon subscribers from Jill, Christina, and Samantha. Thank you, all three of you lovely humans. And we also had a donation from Emily. So thank you all. It is truly helpful. Um, I say this from the bottom of my underemployed heart. It is truly helpful having, and you know, all of this goes back into the podcast and our guests and to be able to not have to go out of pocket for that is, is just means, means a lot. So that coming from my working class consciousness is is not underappreciated it really means a lot so thank you for that and as always just another reminder that if dollars are not something that you have in excess which is totally understandable because we live in a world that doesn't allow many of us to have that uh really leaving us a review on itunes is a great free way to support us if you hear the thank yous and you're like oh i want to help but i just really can't financially uh, we'd love to lead, read your review, and it it would also help us a ton, a ton. So so uh, that would be great too. So yeah, that's that. Oh, how are you, Rachel? <laughs> I am I am mostly well. I am trying to will that this. I have like a. I kind of woke up with like kind of a sore throat, and like my ear hurts a little, and I'm trying to cross my fingers that it's like allergies, so that it's not an actual cold, so that I don't have to like because if it's a cold then I can't teach yoga because I'm contagious and then I have to rest and I was just sick with strep and I really just don't I don't want to rest I will because self-care is important and resting is good but I would rather it just be like a thing that is because of the seasons changing and that it'll go away really quick so I'm trying to get rid of that but outside of that I'm very excited because tonight is the 
house show fundraiser that I talked about like a month ago, I think, uh, since I'm doing fundraising for the Massachusetts Bail Fund, which helps bail poor folks out of jail. And we're doing the fundraiser show tonight, and it's going to be so much fun. Former guest of the podcast, Elias, is going to be playing, and he is a very talented musician. And former guest of the podcast's partner, his band, Mish Zimdar's partner, is going to be uh, playing in his band. And then a really cool young woman that I met through the fact that she's a barista at a coffee shop that I go to sometimes who is a very talented ukulele player and singer will also be playing uh her name is Lola Clemente so I'm super excited about that and otherwise just busy working doing all the things oh also I have another special thing but that was a long check-in so I'll save it because it'll still be a check-in it's about hair but I have more stages to go so I'll wait it's a secret Stages of your hair? Uh-huh. Oh, your hair looks good, though, with the bangs. Yeah, but it's not about bangs. Okay, but I'm just telling you that oh, thank I like you. your hair. Thank you. I appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. I like it now, too. I like it. I finally... Here's the thing. Okay, I'm going to talk for a second. This isn't my actual hair announcement. I've Rachel gone to... never likes her hair, and it's always... Every time she goes to the hair salon, it's too short or too something. Well, listen. I ask for Betty Page bangs every single motherfucking time I go to the fucking hair salon. Has anybody ever given me Betty Page bangs? No. No, not one single person. You know who did give no. me Betty Page bangs? Me and my damn scissors. That's, there you go. That's who cuts my fucking bangs. Who am... I mean, I... It's it's absurd that I didn't like let my DIY punk roots just like take care of this much sooner than I did. But finally, I was like, "What the fuck am I doing? Nobody listens so to me." So you did that. Those bangs are your bangs. They're my did. bangs. I did you it myself. You should always do your own bangs. I know. I know. I should because I'm sick They're of. They're just perfect yeah, for you. I know. I really like them. Thank you. I appreciate it. Anyway, how are you? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm fine. I was also kind of like. Uh, feeling cruddy earlier this week. So I hope that that's just how you're feeling too. I, I bounced out of it, but okay, I think good. there's something with the seasons changing that. Yeah, I'm hoping it's just a quick thing. I'll get over it. Yeah. Soon. Yeah. I was, I was just feeling like super exhausted and like, like falling asleep when I was editing the podcast, which is unlike me, yeah. you know, because I love it so much. So right. I just hope that it just, just fades away yes. into the sunset. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> me too. Um, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm just in the midst of a semester. So it's just like anxiety starts popping up with grading. And, yeah. But I do have some friends in town, so that's been going well. And I, I will take some of my check-in time, though, to signal boost something that uh, is very near and dear to Rachel and I and is a very important situation to know about. So teaching assistant at Penn State was recently doxxed by a bunch of what she refers to as Nazis, and I'm sure they are, but I just don't know how they self-identify. So just, you know, she referred to them as Nazis um, because she uses a pedagogical tactic that centers women of color in the classroom. If you're not a teacher, let me just, this will not be surprising to you that oftentimes white men and women, but especially white men, tend to dominate the classroom space. And that doesn't necessarily mean every time you raise your hand, but in other ways like men just white men just kind of dominate classrooms that's been my situation and there's a lot of different ways to address it and the way that she addresses it is by intentionally calling on women of color first yeah just giving them more space in the classroom so obviously white supremacists don't like that they doxed her and now she's in a fuck ton of trouble at her school because that's how schools are and um Mm -hmm. it's unclear from the media coverage and some of the tweets that got shared through screenshots it seems like Penn has been asking her to leave but has not fired her at the time of this recording she's a teaching assistant and I don't think Penn is Penn unionized I don't think they are I don't think so I so that means wrong. you have yeah you don't really have a lot of recourse with your no. employment there but I think the general so that's a general problem but also just this like this is what we fear some this is what we fear uh this is what I fear is getting doxxed by white supremacists because they don't like the content in my class and I was telling that to my when I tweeted it out on my professional account I was like this could have been me yeah for like for sure it's could have been a lot of us that are listening right now um and not just in teaching I mean it could be in any other any other kind of industry where you're just trying to decenter whiteness and this is what this is what can happen yeah I mean we 100 percent. we obviously have to be in solidarity with all of these people who are 
being fucking threatened their livelihoods their their how they make a living are being threatened because they're doing the fucking right thing and it's- yeah and so if you're interested this the teacher's name is stephanie mckellop m-c-k-e-l-l-o-p so you can google that and find the story out if you want some more information but if you you know something that you can do if this is bothering you um is send out supportive supportive of her tweets to any of the pen admin or email them or call them directly because I think if they get a lot of PR pressure in the wrong way they're not going to fire her because of the backlash that will happen and so um and I'm I'm sure that she could actually have a pretty awesome lawsuit against them as well for discriminate for discrimination but yeah at the very least I think the more people that blast Penn State the better yes absolutely absolutely yeah, so Stephanie, you, we are thinking of you. Okay, shall we move on to this wonderful interview with Shannon and Claire? Yeah, tell me all about uh, it. So yeah, Shannon and Claire came over to my home since we all live in the same city. And we just had a lovely lunch and talked about so many wonderful things, many similar things that we've been talking to the other witches about. It was very interesting. We nerded out a little bit. It was great. Both of them have been practicing witchcraft for a long time. I think maybe that's something that's unique to some of our other witches. So they've, you know, they were teenage witches and that was really fun to hear about their evolution. And it was just great. It was so great. I think people are going to really enjoy it. I think everybody's going to like it for our last witch interview of the month, which has this been a fun month or what? Uh, Yeah, it yeah. has been. This it's is been all a- Rachel's fault too. So <laughs> cheers to you. Thank you. I appreciate it. Um, If we're, I mean, I think we could totally do it. There's plenty of witches in the world. We could totally do it. Next, every, next year every week but also <laughs> i'm wondering too if listeners want to share their feedback on like if yeah. they like the themed month because we could totally do other themes totally like i thought it would be cool to do like sports and like issues around mm-hmm. you know politics and gender and queerness That'd be great. and so yeah if people are into it that's cool but yeah. I know that people also really like it when we sit down and just talk to each other about smart things and defrag some of the stuff that is hard to kind of comprehend in some yeah. of the theoretical books so whatever give us feedback write us i can put a thing on the facebook group asking for feedback too but um we like oh it. yeah we, well we i can do fun. a twitter poll so oh, there you go we can do an instagram story poll now oh really oh can you and we yeah <laughs> <laughs> yes we're just All gonna right. start spamming everybody with polls <laughs> it's gonna be really good all right uh will you wayne's world us to our guests I love to. So thank you, Shannon and Claire, so much for being here. Uh, right away, I would love you both to just share a little bit about how you got involved with witchcraft and when and how you started identifying as a witch. Do you want to start, Shannon? Sure. Thank you so much. Um so I think, I mean, this could be a really, really long answer, so I'll, <laughs> I'll make it less long. Um, but I think, you know, I've always been really interested in kind of witchy things um, ever since I was really young. Um, and I, a really kind of stereotypical way that I first was introduced to it was I went to a bookstore when I was like, 11 or so and there was the book Halloween by Silver Raven Wolf who um, <laughs> we got a whole other discussion about and it said on it you know like recipes spells for Halloween um, and I was like wait like people actually like, this is actually a thing like is this book non-fiction like what what is this what's going on Um, and so that was really intriguing to me, you know, and like for my 11 year old mind, right. That there were people that were out there that, you know, weren't thinking about the idea of magic or spells or that kind of thing in a serious type of way. Um, and then, you know, I, I got really involved in Wicca at the time. Um, although I don't consider myself Wiccan now, but it was really important for me, um, in middle school, as I was learning more about all of it, um, specifically because I was going through a lot of bullying at the time, mm-hmm. um, and I would look up uh, like different protection spells, um, things that basically using 
spirituality in a way that was um, able to offer a type of protection or intervention in a way that I didn't see around me. Um, and also just for context, I, at the time I was living in Northern Idaho, surrounded by evangelical Christians mm -hmm. um, who were very much into trying to convert people to be evangelical Christians um, and were very exclusionary and cliquish. And so that really made me start questioning um, those that type of religious culture, I guess, at a very early age. And I was involved in reading up on a lot of different religious um, practices and different spiritual beliefs at that time. Um, so, yeah. yeah. I, mean, that, I mean, again, it's like a very <laughs> no, it's a good long story. story. Yeah. Claire? I'm going to sound like I copied on the test. <laughs> right off the <laughs> um, so I uh, was a spooky child. And um, my, I mean, I swear, I, I thought my, I was like obsessed with the horror and things like that. And uh, my mom told me once that she was like convinced that she was like raising the next Jeffrey Dahmer because <laughs> I like go to the movie store and I saw movies where people's heads came off. And, um, so there's lots of things that like in fiction I found very interesting. Um, and I maybe was 13, I want to say. Uh, and I was in a, like a Barnes and Noble or a Borders, like one of the, the larger bookstores and came across the new age section, which mm -hmm. I had never stumbled in before mm -hmm. and was just like enamored. I had, you know, always read stuff. It was a lot of fiction that was about like witches and vampires and all that. And I just, I think the book I had come across might've been, it was like a, I, I could draw you the cover, but I don't remember the exact <laughs> name, but it had Wicca really big on it. And it has like a green border and it was by Scott Cunningham. I have that. Aww. Who I have to say is actually like a really great resource. It just books on like like incenses and oils and making things yourself with recipes that mm -hmm. I you know I I can't hate on that. Um, but I had gotten that book and I got I couldn't tell you who it was by, but some book that was just called like spells or something. And I remember my dad had brought them to the Barnes and Noble. And he let me get these books, and he made me promise that I wasn't going to do anything weird to my sister or animals. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I had these books, yeah. and I was I was a teenage Wiccan, mm -hmm. um, and you know, I was like a goth chick and all that all that good stuff. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was pretty into Wicca for for several years, and I'd say my you know I don't I don't identify as Wiccan now. Uh, my friends that that do. Um, I really kind of, my practice has really been on and off for, for mm -hmm. years, um, um, up until like the past few years where mm -hmm. I've been pretty wholeheartedly, wholeheartedly uh, a witch, um, but still not identifying as Wiccan. Can you, can you both talk about uh, what, why you don't identify as Wiccan specifically? Can you say more about what that means to you and what makes you not want to use that label? Either one. Um, it's just a specific religion, you know, it's yeah. just, and it's not one that I identify with. Um, I have friends that, that do, and I, I think it's very interesting, um, but it's not something I particularly have ever felt connected, ever. Mm -hmm. I mean, I did as a teenager, but as I've gotten older, felt connected to. Um, I'm sure someone who is uh, adult and Wiccan could probably uh, tell me I'm incorrect on this, but I've, um, there seems to be a lot of emphasis on a gender binary, even yeah. if not a binary of like a masculinity, femininity binary. Mm -hmm. That's not something that, um, is really my thing. Uh, I think also, um, there's a lot of Wicca that's pretty Celtic and that's just not my background. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, uh, I'm sure for folks who it is that that's something that like really resonates with them. But, you know, mm -hmm. I think as I realized there were other kinds of witchcraft, I departed from Wicca pretty yeah. quickly. Yeah. Yeah, um, so for me, I think I've never been one to, um, I guess the emphasis on mythology and belief in specific deities is something that I was never super into. Mm -hmm. um, I think, you know, so I, I mean, after I was identifying as Wiccan, I was, I was an agnostic and an atheist for a very long time, and um until I kind of was able to stop judging myself enough <laughs> to kind of be like, it's okay that I can embrace these certain spiritual practices. But um, the fact that Wicca, you know, has this very specific belief in a god and a goddess and has a lot of rituals, etc., devotional practice um, devoted to 
a god and goddess is not really something that resonates with me. Um, I am someone who does have a Celtic background, and, and I've been learning more about that recently. Um, so that part of it, I still uh, very much, that does speak to me, and I think that that's a really um, interesting and important part of, like, the different kind of sabbats that I will observe and that kind of thing. But, um, yeah, it was just the way that it was laid out in terms of that belief in deity was a little bit too stringent for me. And then also, like, I don't know, the more that I learned about the history of it and this very specific like traditions from Gerald Gardner etc like um yeah it just didn't really resonate mm -hmm. I'm a lot more low-key um than having that kind of specific belief mm -hmm. system mm -hmm. yeah thank you uh for clarifying that um so you both mentioned uh gender a little bit and uh some other parts of identity and that is something I certainly want to talk about um, in terms of how your relationship to being a witch intersects with your gender, your race, your religion, your sexuality, your class, uh, et cetera, if at all, which I know it does for both of you, so. <laughs> Leading question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, these are really great questions. Like, we could probably have like an entire podcast on each of, mm -hmm, these, mm -hmm. each of these components. In terms of gender, um, I like the idea of the divine feminine, even though I know that that's been used in pretty exclusionary ways and specifically against trans women, which I'm not um, endorsing of in any way. But I do like the idea of thinking about spirituality in a way that elevates femininity, especially in a culture that, you know, constantly devalues femininity. So that's really important to me as a queer femme. Um, and then in terms of some of these other things, I think race in particular, I could write a whole or give you a whole kind of sidebar about that. I think it's really important for me as a white person, as someone who has British Isles ancestry in other parts of Western Europe, to be able to tap into something uh, that is that gets in touch with that ancestral background, especially because... Uh, you know, mainstream, white-dominated American culture, it, to me, is very spiritually, uh, <laughs> I don't know, barren, or I don't know if barren is the right word, but it's very, uh, you know, I don't resonate with Christianity, I don't resonate with, you know, the kind of individualism and corporate capitalism that controls this nation and religious hypocrisy. It's really important for me to be able to engage in my own ancestry in a way that can be uh, healing and thoughtful and self-reflective um, and is able to think more about what are those roots for better and for worse that enables me to, to more tap into that versus this kind of modern notion of whiteness that has really taken out a lot of those specificities of different European cultures. Um, and in terms of being working class, I think that that's really important, especially as a form of therapy, which I think um, is really important. So like thinking about so many working class witches that I know who really tie spirituality into their sense of being able to cope with oppression and being able to cope with, um, you know, if you can't afford to seek out, you know, a therapist or being able to do tarot, for example, um, as a way to have this self-reflection and think about what your problems are and how to maybe go about addressing that. Um, there's a lot of resourcefulness in that that I think is really important for working class communities. Totally. Thanks. <laughs> I would say um, for the, the gender piece, uh, that, that is something that uh, is a, a, I mean, it's a big part of my identity. It's a big part of my witch identity. Um, up until recently, I had never really done any kind of witchcraft practice with men. Uh, and I did a full moon ritual um, like circle with my partner, and that was really, really great, uh, but different for me, um, who has largely done stuff with women or other folks who are not men. And I also, despite having just talked about how like Wicca wasn't really my thing, that I um, also am quite a bit into the idea of like, you know, divine feminine, sacred feminine, um, folks who are my friends on social media see me use the term sacred femme a lot. And I, 
it's interesting because like I think a lot of folks assume that that means you like have to balance that out with some sort of idea around masculine and I just don't like mm-hmm. I just don't need it <laughs> right <laughs> uh, so everything I do really just incorporates the feminine I uh pretty much everything I do that's like based around like moon ritual is like pretty focused on femininity and like that's that for me uh, if I need to pull in something that's masculine I will do that but it hasn't really come up yet <laughs> I've done just fine on my own with my femininity. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, as far as race goes, um, you know, I think that I just try to keep in mind, like, what kind of practices, you know, I could be borrowing from or proceed to be stealing from. Or, mm-hmm. um, you know, for me, um, you know, I was raised Jewish. Uh, my witchcraft is very informed by Judaism. Uh, re- more recently, I've been reading a lot about Jewish mysticism and and really trying to hopefully eventually incorporate some of that. But for me, and maybe that's part of why, like you know, like Wicca didn't really resonate with me. It didn't. It didn't really speak to like my cultural background. Uh, but for me to be able to kind of make a marriage of what is paganism, Judaism, and chaos magic has been. Like really, where I've I've found myself. I don't know if that entirely answers no, that, that question, but mm-hmm. that you know, that's how that has related to race for me. As for class, I mean, I think that in general, certain kinds of magic can feel pretty inaccessible. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you hear the terms like high magic and low magic used. High magic referring to like very specific ritualized magic. Um, you can think of a lot of like some like the different like occultist orders, like esoteric orders that have existed, and low magic. Um, which sounds disparaging, but I don't think it's meant to be, um, refers to folk magic, essentially. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's kind of the everyday things, and often what's not even thought of as witchcraft. You know, mm-hmm. people who grew up in very Catholic households where they'd use ointments to, you know, ward off the evil eye, you mm-hmm. know, things like that are, are, are low magic. Mm-hmm. Um, and to me, being able to, like, meet the two of those and DIY magic to a degree, mm-hmm. um, which is also part of why chaos magic speaks to me, um, you know, is, is an important piece of that. Um, just things being more accessible in every day, I think is just how things kind of can relate to class and just being inclusive. Yeah. That, that was a very answer. No, that was a great answer. And makes me think about one of my sort of forays into actually understanding that witchcraft could be a, a thing that you could do and be came through like DIY punk and reading about like punk feminists or like meeting punk feminists. Um, I remember being scared. I mean, I was like, I hope I can say this. This is my podcast. I'm feminist. So this is fine. Um, but, um, I remember being scared. I was pregnant once and reading about parsley and some other stuff that I don't remember as a way to induce a miscarriage. And I was like, I'm going to do this. And that was like one of the first times I felt really empowered to use the earth in this way that felt really magical. So yeah, so that the DIY aspect of that resonates with me. Uh, I know you said defining chaos magic is hard, but for our (laughs) listeners who've never heard of it, could you try? Sure. (laughs) I feel like all of my friends who are chaos magicians are going to send me an email like, (laughs) what are you doing? Um, But uh, there's a as opposed to saying, like, I can put in a couple sentences that, you know, define chaos magic, I think it's maybe easier to say that there's, like, a few important pieces that I think can make up what is generally thought of as chaos magic. Uh, one of which is that there's generally a very DIY approach. Uh, you know, you may pull in things that are very much, like, traditional high magic, and you may do things that involve, like, teleconferencing in your spell. Mm-hmm. Um, I think another piece of that is that it's based around the idea, it's based more around psychology and um, like pseudophysics mm-hmm. than it is uh, based in the idea of like the supernatural. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe more of the idea that there are things that are natural that aren't entirely explained. And it is based around this idea also that there, uh, everything that exists pretty much is is propelled into existence by by chaos. And you could call that God, you could call that Tao, you can call it whatever you want, uh, but it's, it is, you know, our, our realm of things that exist. And that there is also a realm of things that haven't happened or could have happened or, you know, almost in a multiverse kind of way um, of things that are in the ether that, you know, 
magic is basically done to propel things from the ether into like the world that we actually experience as our reality. A lot of that is done through um, a few different things. Sigil magic is very popular with a lot of chaos magicians, and that is a sigil is a, a symbol, and it's a symbol that you create and charge um, through some kind of intense experience, um, which could be hallucinogens, orgasm, pain, fear, um, you know, to to charge that symbol and then kind of set it and forget it, as they say. Uh, but uh, also very popular is anything that involves like invocation. Uh, and that could be, and I think this is some of where people maybe take issue with chaos magic because in chaos magic, the tool is belief. Belief is not the end game. Mm -hmm. Belief is the tool. And so you may be a chaos magician who's really into some other structure of belief for a period of time. And, you know, you may be invoking, you know, gods that are related to that or heck, like it's, it's, it's DIY. You want to mm -hmm. invoke Wonder Woman, like mm -hmm. have at it. And, um, you know, that's a big piece of that or evocation and, mm -hmm. and, you know, pulling things from, from inside yourself. And I think those are some of the major components of chaos magic. Everyone can feel free to tell me I'm wrong. <laughs> that's what's relevant to my practice yeah thank you for, for explaining that and I'll you can forward hate mail to me you're not gonna get into mail but <laughs> I'll, I'll I'll say I forced you to answer that so thank you I want to shift back into something that we that you both touched on uh particularly when we were talking about race and religion uh and talk about cultural appropriation because it's obviously a big issue we've touched on it with uh the witches in our other interviews as well so I wonder if you could, and we talked about this a little bit before we started recording, and so I think to give a more specific question than talk about cult cultural appropriation, I think my question is, is how do we practice witchcraft ethically in a way that doesn't appropriate other cultures, and what does that look like, and is this question a very important question? I, th I think we would agree that it is, but if you could just speak generally to some of those things. Yeah. So I guess one of my general rules with all of this is to try to stay in my own lane. <laughs> I think in particular when it comes to like ancestry and which kind of um, practices I'm learning more about or um, thinking about, you know, like festivals or holidays or, um, you know, what are different deities that people have called on to do these certain types of spells around prosperity or protection or you know whatever it is that they're doing um to me it's really important that that is um consistent with the actual ancestral background that i have so like one of the ways that i've seen um wicca be problematic and appropriative in that way and, and not just wicca at all because there's a lot of different paths that do this is like the the idea that you know, kind of like that every, all gods are one god or all goddesses, all goddesses are one goddess or everything is like one kind of interchangeable um, concept, which I understand, like, I think that's really useful in terms of how religions often set themselves against each other and say, like, your idea about, you know, spirituality is wrong and mine's the only way and trying to say that, like, everyone has their own kind of path or not that they want to pursue but once it gets down to you know like certain chants that people will use where they they list off like a litany of different deities from all over the globe without really doing research or understanding mm -hmm. like where do those deities come from what you know what does that deity govern or who um you know what community you know has certain practices or beliefs around this this specific deity um then i think it becomes really problematic um and just yeah I think there's also questions around you know the the commercialization of some of these uh, aspects of magic like who profits off of it who makes you know if you have a business where you're selling items related to Santeria but that's not actually your background mm -hmm. and maybe if you're like you know for example if you're a white person doing that and you're making money versus people of color who practice Santeria who, you know, maybe, you know, are, are, are they getting the clients that you are? Like, I think there's so many questions that come up around that for me. Um, which again, like, you know, be, I mean, white supremacy has been, um, you know, so responsible for the erasure of so many 
um, you know, cultural forms of knowledge for people to even have access to and how that's connected to colonialism. Um, that's all really important for me to really interrogate and constantly evaluate and reevaluate because I don't want to continue to participate in those forms of cultural erasure and, and unequal distribution of resources mm -hmm. and power. I would say, you know, it's something I'm pretty careful of in my personal practice. I guess I'm lucky in that I really identify with things that do come from my own cultural background for the most part. But as I was saying, I think one of the things that complicates the, the topic can be that, you know, like belief is belief. I do think people need to be very careful about how they approach things that are not of their own background and experience. And, you know, I do think that often there, there are ways to do that. I think that, you know, kind of like Shannon was saying, that you have to consider like what I interpreted as what you're doing and why. Yeah. So if you are, you know, interested in something and you want to learn about it and you, you know, reach out to people who are maybe leaders in that, you know, particular religious community in, um, you know, a manner that they seem to be receptive of and you kind of go in like, just be humble. You know, I don't, I don't know what to say other than like, what's not appropriate to do is kind of like gun it for your ego and mm -hmm. to have uh, a claim within a community and to be making money off of that community, you know, to really consider how you're, you're coming about it mm -hmm. from, you know, and I've known people who, um, you know, are, are part of, you know, one kind of branch of witchcraft and are, you know, invited to the ceremonies of, of, of other practices because there's like an appreciation for other people who may practice something that's similar, but, you know, is understood as not the, the same thing. I just think so much people, in particular white people, just really need to be um, cognizant of, of what, what one is doing and why. I think also doing our best to be aware of where our practices may come from because often people don't even know. You know, one of the things that has come up is um, there's actually a, just a lot that bites off of Judaism. Mm -hmm. And uh, there's a lot a lot of things that are just kind of thought of as like a cultist practice mm -hmm. are, are come off of, of Judaism. The fact that there's like multiple branches of, you know, Kabbalistic practice at this mm -hmm. point, um, they just like spell it with a different letter, <laughs> right. um, you know, and they may be their own thing at this point, but let's, let's be honest about the origins. And, you know, I see sigils with Hebrew of people who don't even know what that is. You know, I maybe controversial statement because I, only have so much to back that up on, but um, the fact that um, so much of Aleister Crowley's work, um, you know, is based off of Judaism, and from what I know, um, he was both a misogynist and an anti-Semite. Mm. Um, you know, let's yeah, those are those are things that are relevant. I'm not saying burn all your Crowley books and mm -hmm. that he's done nothing for modern occultism. I'm mm -hmm. just saying like let's let's think about all that. Totally. Mm -hmm. Thank you for those answers. I, as I've shared on the podcast before, so listeners have heard a version of this, but it's something I obviously think a lot about as, as a white person who teaches yoga. And as I mentioned before we started recording, that it's quite possible that this is a rationalization, but that it really does seem better and possibly hopefully acceptable if you're truly coming from a place of honoring the legacy and the roots of a tradition and not just like you said, letting your ego take over to make it something that's about, that's not about its actual roots. Um, but something that I feel is complicated about this that I've just been trying to think through, um, particularly as somebody who's has been learning about critical, critical approaches to race and gender and thinking about race as a social construction and thinking about all the texts I've read about how fucked up like the one drop rule was, you know, to prove that people were, were, were black and, and, and or white and the way that was held against black folks and the way that there has been a, both an academic and an activist push against essentialism in particular ways. So I'm wondering if either of you would want to speak to this conflict between the importance of ancestry and the social construction of race, I guess. Yeah, I've been thinking about this a lot <laughs> recently, specifically because I've been doing research about 
neo-Nazi pagan groups and mm. the way that those groups will draw on certain forms of paganism, specifically Odinism or forms of Asa True coming from Scandinavia to essentially as kind of this legitimate white religion um, mm -hmm. because they critique Christianity as being, quote, too Jewish, right? And that these uh, European belief systems are, you know, indigenous, Euro indigenous to Europe um, beliefs. And so that, that really is a draw for these people that are um, advancing, you know, white supremacy um, and using spirituality or religion in that way. It's, it's ironic because at the same time, the more that I've even dug into my own ancestry, the more you see how much, like, there is no, you know, like, there is no just sort of completely British or completely <laughs> French or completely Irish, like, ethnicity because there was so much back and forth between various tribal groups across mm -hmm. Europe and conquest and sexual violence and also intermarriage and like the Roman Empire was attacking and you know and, and building empire their empire extending it you know up through Britain and so even being able to trace back one's ancestry specifically like in that kind of cultural or geographic context becomes really dicey at a certain point because there was so much, there was so much of, of people traveling back and forth. So I think that speaks very much to what you're saying, mm -hmm. you know, in terms of especially whiteness being seen as somehow this like pure, whatever that means, right? Mm -hmm. Identity versus the really messy reality that has gone on for thousands of years mm -hmm. across um, at least Western and Northern Europe and in the context of my research that I've been doing. And it really just speaks to the fact that all of these these practices, especially for paganism, where there's not a lot of record of what people actually believed or that was lost over time uh, in many cases or it was stamped out by Christianity, a lot of this is an approximation and a lot of this is not the exact same thing that people were doing. And so being able to... to be very like thinking about humility like you were saying Claire I think is really useful here because you know everything that that people are doing I mean maybe not everything but a lot of things people are doing now is um is trying to be kind of in the tradition of what they thought might have happened but we don't completely know what that was and mm -hmm. for things like human sacrifice for example mm -hmm. we don't want to replicate that anyway so mm -hmm. um you know I just think being very mindful of that and the, and the ways that all of these things are very constructed and historically mm -hmm. contingent is really important yeah you want to add anything I couldn't even begin to <laughs> yeah no I mean Shannon I, I we hadn't even talked about that you were like researching that specifically but that's um but that's uh that's I'm so glad that you are and were able to respond in that way. I think that's that's important. And actually, it's interesting. I just saw an article. Can you pronounce that for me again? Australia? Ace True. Ace True. My prison pen pal, my current pen pal right now, is a black man, and he practices that. Mm -hmm. And so I apparently it's not, but I but I saw that some neo Nazis were also practicing it. So that's a side note. Anyway, yeah, yeah it's it's been something I've been thinking about. So thank you for um, expanding on that. And I think that maybe that is part of the digging into our ancestry is learning about the lack of monolith that culture has and like to, to reconcile with that Shannon you and I have talked about uh having knowing that we have confederate slave owners in our in our history and um having to reconcile with that and and learning to heal the generational trauma that that exists and it and it's it's also something that I think about as queer people who talk about chosen family and what does it mean to put the emphasis on our blood and our lineage when so there's so much liberation that stems from choosing your family. And so that's something that I, that I still reckon that I still wrestle with a little bit. And that said, I'm still interested in digging more into my, into my own ancestry that I, that I just haven't done enough. So those are just some thoughts that I've been thinking through. Any, any other responses to that before Only that I, I think it's interesting because it's something I wrestle with at times as well, where I simultaneously am proud of my Jewish background and there's lots of things I love the way Jews do. But at that same time, like recognizing that Judaism is a, a religion and, um, you know, while it's something that I may identify with as my ethnicity, that is, it is in fact a, a religion and belief structure mm -hmm. and that there are Jews of all different kinds of backgrounds and all different races. Mm -hmm. I remember though, 
especially in my teenage years of really identifying with Wicca and not at all with that that came with a pretty you know intense teenage rebellious rejection of Judaism at the time and my dad who you know really was humoring me um, probably knowing I'd come back at some point had said to me you know the people who would the people who would like to see you not exist don't care that you're Wiccan Mm. Like, you are a Jewess, first and foremost, mm. regardless of what you want to call yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, and that has something, is something that has stuck with me yeah. since it was said to 15-year-old me. Yeah. That's, so that's, that's a piece of that as well. That, right. You know, even, there is something to be said for identifying with things that are put on you, regardless of. Absolutely. How you feel about it. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Anything else? Um, just riffing off what you were saying about chosen family and how does that how do you make sense of that with ancestry and all of those things I often grapple with that especially as someone who has no interest in having human children and who like does not want to participate in reproduction and you know like going on like ancestry.com and you know seeing like oh this is my lineage and that kind of thing but also wondering like what does that actually mean? And the fact that, I mean, there are so many people who, you know, like the family line, quote, ended through them or whatever, and I don't know who they are because they're not, like, my direct uh, descendant. And so, so much of this is also connected to, like, the politics around reproduction and, like, how ancestry is thought of as passed down through reproduction and how do you think about that as a queer person or or someone who, like, you know, and or someone who, you know, doesn't want to reproduce in certain ways mm-hmm. or not saying that the two are, like, <laughs> mm-hmm. completely overlapping, right, because queer people obviously do reproduce, but... Um, there's like always a productive and often confusing tension there for me where it's like, how much am I putting into this idea of this lineage given that I'm not going to be furthering it and I'm not going to be continuing it on? Um, I don't know. It's, yeah. it's a strange set of questions. Yeah, for sure. Anything else? Yeah. Um, shifting gears a little bit. Not all witches care about astrology, but I do. Um, (laughs) if you do, or if you don't, can you talk about your signs and why they are or are not important to you? (laughs) Uh, I am a Leo, a former coworker, uh, did my birth chart and like almost everything else is in cancer, which allegedly Mm, makes a lot of sense. Mm. Uh, but I, I'm going to be honest, astrology is not my thing. (laughs) I think it's interesting. I read lots of the things that they pulled for me on this, mm-hmm. you know, this chart, and some of it was very accurate, but for it's yeah. just not my steez. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Shannon? Yeah. Um, I am really interested in astrology. I'm still, like, I'm still working through the remnants of constantly judging myself for having any sort of spiritual practice because of all of the years I spent being agnostic slash atheist, and in many ways, like, I still do have a pretty, like, non... I don't know. I still have kind of, like, a pretty somewhat, like, secular, vague, low-key approach to all of these concepts. We're thinking about, like, the universe mm-hmm. in this vague way, right? <laughs> um, but everything that I've learned about astrology has been uh, bizarrely accurate for at least thinking about myself, thinking about people around me, um, and the more that I've uh, gotten into thinking about, like horoscopes and how this applies in different phases of the moon and thinking about like doing uh, different readings for myself tarot wise like connecting all those pieces together it's it just keeps being bizarrely accurate so I'm an Aquarius um, sun and then a Pisces rising when I recently found out that I was a Pisces rising it made a lot of sense given how um I identify as being very empathic and very overwhelmed by the horribleness of the world and people's um, energy and all these sorts of things. And Pisces is very associated with just that, essentially, of like being very keyed into emotion and being incredibly empathetic to the point where you can struggle with boundaries, like all these sorts of things. But then Aquarius is very about, you know, being very like 
I guess, uh, humanitarian and very kind of independent and wanting to go off and do your own thing. Um, all of those things very much speak to me. And so I'm, I'm constantly amazed when I, like, I'll, I'll read certain horoscopes and it'll, you know, it'll be, um, saying very bizarrely specific things to what I'm grappling with at that point in time. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm interested. And for anyone out there who's interested actually in looking up what astrologers have said about, um, Donald Trump's, um, natal chart, that's been really interesting <laughs> to me because it's like all this really weird stuff about power and control mm -hmm. and, Want and like I don't know, just really weird things that that seem to be aligning with our political moment. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. So, in addition to astrology for you and tarot, and you mentioned moon rituals. You mentioned I think that was the most specific thing you mentioned. Can you both talk about any other just some things that you do, some practices that you do that um, are part of your your witch practice that. Maybe even like that people who are interested in getting started might be interested in exploring if they do, if it resonates with them, if they do their sort of research on it, but some, some, some practices, like what does this actually tangibly look like in your life? Sure. So, uh, like I mentioned, I do uh, full moon rituals. I don't do it every month. I'm not going to lie. Sometimes life <laughs> takes over. Um, I also like to really take the time for the new moon. I'm very into ritual bathing. That's something I think has been gaining popularity maybe over like, the past couple of years, which is really uh, just incorporating um, ritual into your bathing time. And um, for me, also involves like a use of a lot of herbs and oils and um, probably weird sounds coming from the bathroom that I'm sure everyone I live with just loves. <laughs> I also, um, as I've mentioned, like incorporate Judaism into my witchcraft and the way I observe certain Jewish holidays uh, is really, you know, I, I don't get a ton out of going to temple for the most part personally. So I, you know, use, you know, the time between um, Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, for example, uh, you know, which are really based around the celebration of the new year, but also atonement and you know, kind of purging yourself of the sins of the past year, you know, to really incorporate some of the, you know, Jewish traditions there, you know, that are, you know, some folks take like the crumbs or pocket lint and put it into a moving body of water. That's something I got to do in Paris this year, which mm -hmm. was pretty cool. But to, um, you know, and also uh, sweet foods, um, which is also usually a nice time with harvest, uh, a lot of apples and honey, but also to spend... Yom Kippur, instead of sitting in six hours of services, I tend to prefer to like spend a lot of time meditating and journaling and thinking about what I've done this past year that I really should be doing differently and, you know, how I can both uh, a cleansing ritual, but also pairing that with, okay, like what are the actual action items? What are the intentions I'm going to mm -hmm. set for that? Uh, so, you know, really just kind of mixing the, the two. I tend to observe, you know, Jewish holidays and then Sabbaths kind of, mm -hmm. you know, and, and pair them together as I can. I also uh, am into tarot, and that's something I've been into for years, but kind of been reteaching myself in, in recent history, and I really, really love tarot. Mm -hmm. uh, one of the things that is popular with some folks, especially a lot of folks who are into chaos magic, is um, actually like shuffling with the cards face up, mm -hmm. so it's, the thought is like somewhere in your mind you're actually registering where the cards are going, mm -hmm. and that you're like mind is pulling what it is you need to see as opposed to hmm. uh, like not enough to like really register where cards are like consciously mm -hmm. but just to yeah you know like that somewhere in the back of your mind it knows and your mm -hmm. like mind is going to reveal like what interesting you, what you need to be confronting mm -hmm. you know things like that um one of the nice things about being pretty diy is that sometimes what i do at one time really looks different mm -hmm. than how it does at another yeah cool thank you I see a lot of common threads between <laughs> Claire just said. Um, I so I really connected um, a lot with what you were saying about. I guess for me, like doing a lot of inner work and thinking about you know like the the cycle, like the wheel of the year, or the cycles of the season, to thinking about like what is the earth kind of going through in terms of you know it being darker and colder and versus sunnier and brighter and the days being longer how does that connect to your own kind of inner self and what you're going through and the different obstacles that you may be you know dealing with or grappling with or things that you want to happen or forms of um, abundance that you want in your life and that's why for me it's very about I want to say self-help because it has this like 
cliche association, but very, um, very about inner work and very about like, what are your, what are my actual goals that I want to see in the world and, and being very honest with that and really getting to the root of how am I actually feeling about my life? Do I like the direction that my life is going? And so concretely that can, you know, manifest in terms of journaling, in terms of doing tarot readings, you know, asking specific questions or just thinking about a certain theme. My career is one that constantly comes up that I'm constantly asking questions about and really just having that kind of practice of being, of trying to be in touch with myself, thinking about like, how am I part of something larger in terms of being one tiny person on this on this whole planet or, you know, one tiny planet in this huge cosmos that we know pretty little about compared to, you know, what is out there to explore. So yeah, I think there's, there's a lot of practices that, that overlap, um, things that I do. Ritual is important to me. Being able to set almost, um, like kind of demarcate that I'm entering into a new stage or a new place in my life is really important for me which we do in culturally in many ways, like marriage, graduation, like there's a lot of markers that we have culturally. But I think that like ritual cleansing or different ways of uh, marking that you're that you're moving forward or you're doing something different and how that ties in with like the cycles of the moon, etc. That's really important to me. I also realized that I left out probably the two things I do the most. The making and use of amulets is huge to me, um, especially as I've gotten more and more into herbalism. That's been like a very big deal for me. It's probably outside of like moon-based ritual because that just, based on timing, happens so often is like Mm -hmm. probably what I do the most. And sigil magic, which I mentioned before, Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. those are like, yeah, probably the, the the two I go hardest with. I just... That's actually a perfect transition because I want to hear about your business, Claire, which is related. And so I want both of you to tell our listeners where they can find you. And then I would love you to stick around for our RWL segment. But first, Claire... Where can people find you, and why, and what, what, what will they find when they find you? Sure. <laughs> uh, so I do. I mean, I have like personal social media accounts and all that, but um, you can find me most easily probably on uh, Instagram. Though I also am on Etsy and on uh, Facebook under the same name. Um, my business name is Kanahora. Um, and you can find me with the username Kanahora Amulets. I will spell that for you. And I can <laughs> put it in the show notes the too. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, but that's um, K-E-N-A-H-O-R-A. And uh, that is essentially a Yiddish-English slang that gets used that's based off of like totally mistranslated, mashed up Hebrew <laughs> that basically means no evil eye. And everyone who has heard their bubby or someone else's bubby say it, now it's like a knock on wood thing, like you would say it, like after saying something good, so that any lurking evil looking to ruin your good fortune is sent away. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Shannon? So I have a website, shannonweberphd.com, and I'm also on Twitter at shannonweberphd. <laughs> Same for both. Yeah. Uh, and you write you write about some witchy stuff for... For um, Kathios. Kathios. Yeah. So they can find you there, too. Yes. Uh, all right. So as I said, we close the show talking about what we are reading, watching, and listening to this week. So would somebody like to start? I can start. What do you guys think? <laughs> <laughs> I actually, I haven't thought... I haven't thought what I want to say either. Um, <laughs> reading. Wow. Some weeks you just like don't open a book. Um, well, I was reading the moon book, which is mm-hmm. relevant. The modern woman moon book, which is exciting because we're seeing uh, the author of that book, uh, a workshop tomorrow on intuition. So reading that because it was the waning moon this week, right? Yeah. Waning moon. It was a good chapter. It was actually menstruation related and I'm not, I've never been a feminist who's like connected to my period in that way. And Fortunately, the book is really good about challenging, like, binary essentialist womanhood stuff, but it was still, like, but we're still going to talk about periods for a little bit, and I was actually on my period, and I was like, oh, this, this, feels, this feels relevant. Anyway, that's what I'm reading. Watching, uh, Logan and I are working our way through Transparent. Do you watch that, Clary, Transparent? I don't. You know, it's, they talk about Judaism a lot. Yeah, everyone's like, yeah. why aren't you watching that? <laughs> yes. It's, do you watch Transparent, Jen? I have a little bit for okay. a season. 
I really love it. I just I just said this last episode that I know people have legitimate critiques of it, but I but I genuinely really love the show. So we're working through the fourth season of that. Um, and listening to, um, oh, Jay Sum is like my new favorite artist. I'm obsessed with her. Um, I just discovered her on a college radio station in Missouri when I was in Missouri for a wedding and I'm obsessed with her music. It's, uh, it's like the music of my heart. I love it. So I'm also reading the moon book, the many <laughs> moons workbook, which is really helpful for charting down like where you are currently just with your life and has all these awesome exercises you can do to think about, you know, those little kind of vignettes about what's going on with the moon, how that ties into astrology and different themes that are coming up and how that can apply to your life and where, where you are and, you know, different like ways you can do ritual to, to channel what you want to be going on in your life. So I'm a huge fan of many moons. I'm super grateful to the collective that put it out. I watch, I don't, I, I don't know. I watch more kind of movies usually than television. When I watch TV, I watch really random shows like Leah Remini's Scientology uh, reality. Not oh. a reality show. It's like an expose on Scientology and talks to all these people that were in Scientology and all of the abuses they went through. Hmm. And I don't know. Like I, I tend to be interested in like things involving group psychology and like why people end up believing certain things that they do. So I don't know. That's just my own random niche interest. <laughs> and then listening, I just have a really weird mishmash of things that I listen to, whether it's like, you know, both albums that the Spice Girls put out on repeat <laughs> while I clean or Lorena McKennett being really chill and Celtic or random pop stars. Like, mm-hmm. I'm kind of all over the place mm-hmm. with that. <laughs> cool. Cool. Sounds good. Okay. I have been um, reading two different books. I said I was going to stop book juggling and then mm-hmm. started doing it again. Um, I am reading a book that was gifted to me um, by my partner. Uh, it's called Honey from the Rock by Lawrence Kushner, and it is a theoretically an introduction um, to Jewish mysticism, but mm. it's actually doesn't advance that. <laughs> it's advanced, but I it, I wouldn't call it that necessarily introductory if yeah. you're not already somewhat familiar yeah. with it. And I'm also um, reading Drawing Down the Moon um, by Margot Adler, and that is a book, I'm um, looking at it here, Witches, Druids, uh, Goddess Worshippers, and Other Pagans in America. It's like a historical book and I feel like I should probably actually know more about that. I need to read that. Than I do. <laughs> <You're welcome laughs> um, watching, um, I'm going to be totally honest and tell you that I am watching a book with most of the people I live with and it is called American Vandal. Mm. And American Vandal is a mocky, like a true crime mockumentary mm. that's a Netflix original that is about a student who is like basically there's an administrative day at this high school and someone spray paints dicks on all <laughs> uh, like like 26 or 27 <laughs> of like the teacher's cars uh-huh. and so it's like a true crime quote solving like, who the dicks yeah spray like parents. who did it yeah. what this kid framed and yeah i've just That's never fun. seen such a beautifully accurate representation of what it's like to be in a suburban high school yeah that's like it's it's actually it sounds so stupid, but it's actually no, it sounds amazing. Actually. Really clever. <laughs> it's actually like really funny. Um, so that's what I've been watching and like loving it. Though the nightmare of agreeing to watch a show with three other people mm. is when we're not all in the same room. We're like, yeah. I want to watch the Wiener show. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then we have to wait for everyone else. Uh, listening. Actually, I've been listening to way more podcasts than music lately because mm-hmm. I've been on long drives. I have been listening to this podcast Mm -hmm. and I have been uh, listening to my favorite murder. I'm Mm -hmm. really late to the game on my favorite murder um, because I'm a real sicko and so it's like (laughs) really speaking to me. And I've also been um, listening to, I always forget the name of it, uh, Crafted Recordings. It's uh, from the folks who um, do the uh, website Gods and Radicals. Mm. Oh yeah, yeah. Cool. It's a radical leftist uh, pagan uh, website and they have a really cool podcast that's like very experiential and interesting cool good list um i wanted to also throw in a witch book that i haven't started yet but remembered it last last week 
Um, have you read Caliban and the Witch, the Sylvia Federici yes, book? I had to read it in grad school. Did you like it? Is it good? Is it worth it? <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. It has an interesting historical analysis about capitalism. Actually. That's it's, well. That's what. Yeah. yeah, I know. She's like she's like a big Marx, like yeah. number one Marxist feminist scholar. So I was like, yeah. she wrote a book about witches, but it's witch hunt more broadly than necessarily witches, real witches. Yeah, necessarily, we right? focused a lot more in the class I had to read it for on like the capitalism versus. Right. communitarianism part but I actually yeah. like to go back and actually read more of the the focus on the witch hunt yeah. part of it yeah, yeah. Libcom has it uh, for free for on PDF download so if anybody's interested oh. got it there alright well thank you so much friends this was great happy October 13th happy Friday October 13th Friday the 13th specifically <laughs> <laughs> October 13th is not that exciting um, happy Friday the 13th and thank you for joining us on Witch Hunt okay. thank you.